Hey everybody, welcome back to CSI Sidebar. I'm Mike Brooks along with Charles Middlestadt, and we are now on episode number 10 of Making a Murderer. Final episode. Final episode, fighting for their lives. Well, we're now at on March 18th, 2007, and it starts off with Stephen Avery's dad saying, they ruined us. And they ruined our business. So it's again, it's all of Manitowoc County, all of the state of Wisconsin, and the United States against the Averys. And now we know that Stephen Avery is in Boscobel, Wisconsin, which is 220 miles away from the salvage yard, Charles. So that really cuts down on any kind of visits that, uh, that they can make to him. True. But doesn't stop mom. Mom continues to see him regularly. She makes the trek. And Avery's got a new girl. I, I It's unbelievable. Sandy Greneman. Now, his, when they said Stephen's girlfriend, I went, Yeah, which one? What? And, and you know what, though? She looks somewhat normal. But, but she watched the whole trial and she started writing him, and that she was there to support him. And she said, quote, he was a blessing to me. But she had a husband when all this started, and her husband had dementia, and he had some other uh, medical issues. But she was there for Stephen. What a humanitarian she is. Take care of your husband. Don't worry about the guy who's locked up 220 miles away, Miss Sandy. Wow, how judgmental. I mean, woman's so compassionate, and and you have to criticize her like that? You know, that's just low, Mike. That's just low. Thank goodness Stevie has this woman in his life. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't get, don't get me started. I mean, the truth is. If it weren't she, her, it'd she, be some she, other. Right, she, I mean, this, this woman how many is times quite, we quite the blessing. I mean, she is a true believer, oh, right? God. She's... Got the whole file. She's working it. This is her life. This is what consumes her. She is 1,000% devoted to Stevie's exoneration. So somehow, some way, Steve continues to be able to entice, attract uh, women into his life under unusual circumstances. I, I was. I thought I might hear that maybe there was some... Maybe a uh, an app for people in prison, and you know what? It might not be. This might be a good idea for you to start like a Tinder app for people who are in uh, in prison. Prinder, Prinder, I like that. Uh, yeah, Prinder, Prinder, swipe right <laughs> <laughs> if you think he's innocent <laughs> or she's innocent. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! All right, so we're we're uh, we got the Avery appeal. Who uh, it's being heard shockingly, by Judge Willis, who is the trial judge. Why, Willis... What you who, talking about, Willis? Yeah, what you talking about? Willis ain't never going to give you freedom. No way, no how. I mean, Not this after is the, the same, comment he made. That's right. This, this guy labeled Avery as the most dangerous person that's ever stepped foot in his courtroom, and he's the same guy that's hearing the appeal. Yeah. And he's the same guy that's ultimately going to rule on his own rulings and the propriety of his own rulings. It's it's a crazy thing. So anyway, then we next see Dassey. 
He's got a new attorney, Steve Drizzen. He's 19 years old now. Right? He's 19 years old. Looks totally different. I mean, he's put all, all this weight that you said he lost because of his guilty conscience. Because <laughs> of stress. That's right. Because he did. I yeah. say it's just stress. So now it's, ah, I, yeah, okay, I did it. Now well, he, He's a grown man. He looks completely different. He's put on a significant amount of weight. Obviously, the food in, in prison is not too bad. And he didn't have the murder on his, on his uh, conscience anymore. Says you. Says you, but they also they bring in a false uh, confession expert. Oh, you got yeah. uh, you got Robert Dvorak, who is um, a post conviction lawyer. Uh, Laura Niradin or Nirader, I'm sorry, she's also with the same firm, post conviction lawyer, and they're from the Center on Wrongful Conviction of Youth. Yes, which which is uh, you know it's specialized, so they don't do broad post conviction relief. They focus on juvenile cases. And their specific focus is the efficacy, the ethics, the propriety, the uh, effectiveness of Len, what is Len's last name? Kaczynski. Kaczynski, this knucklehead who is really an absolute embarrassment to the bar. He's an idiot. This guy should never have become an attorney. He and his his investigator. Yeah. Mr. Mr. O'Kelly, Mr. Michael O'Kelly. Michael O'Kelly is no investigator, that's for sure. But no, this, in all seriousness, um, you know, somebody like that should never be representing anybody accused of a crime. I mean, this guy is beyond incompetent. He lacks ethics. Um, It's really such a disservice to, and and such an insult to devoted attorneys, criminal defense attorneys, public defenders, anybody who's devoted to due process and to representing the accused, this guy is an absolute insult. And during his post-conviction, they, they talked to him about his four, what was going By the on. way, it's a four-day-long hearing. Yeah, but he acts like an idiot there, too. Uh, but he doesn't like even realize how— laughing off everything like it's a joke. Right, but to him, obviously, it is, and he doesn't— He's not he even care. sharp enough— well, you know, the question is, Mike, does he not care or is he just really not even sharp enough to understand what's going on? And I'm and honestly, both. I don't know. Or both. I'm, I question whether he's even bright enough to understand what a fool he looks like and the the severity of the, you know, his ineffectiveness. I mean, it's it's terrible. He He admits ultimately that Dassey told him that he didn't do it. And that he wanted to take a polygraph. Yeah, he wanted to take a polygraph. Brendan, Brendan Dash, he wanted to take a polygraph right. test. Now, how effective would it have been? I, I think... But, I, he, but he, he, he admits to Dassey telling him he didn't do it. Right. Right? And that is so significant. Forget about the polygraph. You, you and I, I think, feel the same way on polygraphs. But he also admits... Great investigative tool, not admissible. But right. the whole thing is... But he also admits he didn't even read his statement. How what an the, idiot. How the hell can you represent somebody without reading the defendant's statement for crying out loud? And, and that he basically, it seemed like O'Kelly, they were trying to gather evidence for the prosecution against Stephen Avery. Oh, no question. I mean, if you recall whatever episode it was when we were talking about O'Kelly and we were talking about O'Kelly's efforts with Dassey. Right. I mean, I was calling him a, basically a law enforcement guy, right? I was calling him a tool of law enforcement. This guy acted like he was a part of the prosecution team. No, he's just a plain like tool. A just a plain he's just tool. a tool. That's right. But uh, Len made the calculus early on that basically Dassey was guilty. 
first he made the calculation that Avery was guilty, yeah. and by association, Dassey was guilty, and that that he was basically going to serve Dassey up to the prosecution and that he was going to orchestrate a plea for him. Right, and Kaczynski it, let O'Kelly do this interview without having, uh, which he was basically sanctioned for, without having his counsel present, and he had staged the room. You know, yeah, we you do certain staging of some interviews if, as, as a law enforcement officer, not as, a, as an investigator. Um, and then there was this memo, and this letter that he I wrote. I did it. I didn't do it. Yeah, you're right. But but he but he talked about he talked about the Averys in in a really really degrading oh awful, awful. totally degrading way, saying that you no know, there was it was it was a one branch family tree. Uh, really, is it, uh, these two these two this, should this, never this the number guy, one Kaczynski could never should never practice again. Well, that's for sure. But I, as an investigator, I am particularly offended by O'Kelly. I mean, this guy, honestly, I wanted to reach through the screen and choke this guy. Thank God he wasn't a cop. This guy should, you know, the fact that he posed as a defense investigator is an embarrassment to the profession. This guy is no investigator. No defense investigator would ever engage in anything like this. This guy is, he ought to be prosecuted criminally for what he did. And I I would love to be part of that team that helped prosecute him. Um, I have... I have no kind words for this guy. This yeah. guy is evil, and he is a fucking idiot. Uh, there's no other way to describe. I it. agree. I'm with uh, the I'm way that the the amount of time, Mike, and effort that this guy put into setting this kid up, all the various things that went into this, it's yeah. so despicable. It's not even. I mean, it's, no, it's my horrible. jaw was open the whole time I was it's watching hor- that. It was, it's, it was horrible. It's awful. And then this idiot starts crying during during the hearing. He's not crying at what he did. He's crying at his own. He's crying at his for himself, essentially. Well, he said, "Oh, I'm crying because of the picture." No, he was crying because he knew that that he's he was being it, 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 his ass was in some serious trouble. Yeah, he he knew uh, whatever he knew exactly whatever licensing he, he has he's within a- within Wisconsin. I certainly hope by now that has been revoked and that he is never ever allowed to investigate, a, a, you know, a missing cat. No. Um, but he he systematically set up, uh, a, you know, a, a a method to coerce Dassey, and um, as you said, you know, the family suggested he suggested it's a one brain like the like it's a totem pole, you know, that there's no branches on the tree. What the heck, you know, what is wrong with this guy? I mean, yeah, this guy's just really a, he's bad. a sick he's a sick puppy, and it's not surprising that. He and Len found one another. Jesus. That with that combination of a defense team, this kid never had a chance. Idiots unlimited. I mean, unbelievable. Sure. Um, I mean, you know, Len basically ties up their tees up Dassey for the cops the next day. As soon as O'Kelly gets done, right. if you recall, oh, yeah. he's on the phone with with the investigators, and you can have him next. And that's after O'Kelly's coerced him and and gotten him to draw, make these drawings and put this story in his head and. You know, the, the sad thing about it is, and I'll, I'll say this for all the criticism I've had of law enforcement putting stuff in his head, the, the irony and the sad fact is O'Kelly did more to put stuff in Dassey's head than law enforcement did. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, law enforcement couldn't have had a better friend than O'Kelly in terms of trying to tie this kid up. What an idiot. What an idiot. Awful, awful. And... Um, he even, what comes out too, at least this is how they portray it, whether it's factual or not, I don't know, but they, the series portrays it as 
Glenn then orchestrating Dassey calling his mom, knowing that that jailhouse call was going to be recorded, knowing that that would be used against him. And if that's true, that's that's even beyond egregious, right? He's he is setting his client up in such a way where he implicates himself, knowing that law enforcement's going to pick up the call. That's yeah. that is. That is absurd. You know, but I wonder why his new attorneys, after he, after he got rid of Kaczynski, didn't didn't move to try to have all of that, uh, you know, basically stricken, you know, and, and not, not, not admissible. I don't know. I think I think I think poor, poor Mister Mister Bre- Mister Brendan was misrepresented a couple times along the way here. He he didn't have the best of attorneys. Oh, I mean, uh, the fact of the matter is, it was Brendan Dassey against the state of Wisconsin. And Len and O'Kelly. Yeah, I mean, he really had no nobody advocating on his behalf. Nobody whatsoever. I mean, nobody. And he didn't even have any good support. His, his parents, his mom, that nobody was in a position to provide him good counsel. No. Nobody has has the sophistication to to even question what was going on. No. I mean, this kid was just screwed from, he had, from he day had, one. He had no. He had no. no he was. Support he was at screwed. All. That's all there is to yeah. it. So we, we see the, the Avery motion is, is denied, motion for new trial denied. Um, you got um, – uh, then you have the whole Krantz thing. Oh, that, uh, that the Krantz that, that's, stuff. That's interesting. And you know what? From my perspective, couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Yeah, but, you know, you, you've, got, you've got the AP reporter I thought was kind of a uh, – I, I, I thought he was not a, real, a great reporter, Ryan Foley. Yeah, it had to do with, with, with sexting. I mean, worst of all – Sixteen, a domestic violence victim, but what does that have to do with this trial? It just kind of gives him a bad name. Some people say, "Well, you know, it shows that he had no ethics whatsoever, and maybe he, you know, that could have seeped into um, both of the trials." Uh, yeah, I you know, know, I find it to be an interesting footnote. I don't think it necessarily reflects on the on the case itself. Right. I I think it reflects on him, and I think it's. I'm glad that somebody like him that doesn't have ethics is not in a position to prosecute people anymore. He doesn't deserve to be. I mean, that's, you know, pro- prosecutors should be held to the highest standards, and this guy just doesn't meet those standards. Yeah. And so he doesn't, he's he, he is, he's, he's gone. he is an, an embarrassment and a disservice to reputable prosecutors right. out there. And there's a, there's a bunch of them. I mean, I think most prosecutors work hard to, to be ethical and professional and so forth. They do for a little, not all for a little pay. Not yeah. all of them, right? But uh, well, a lot of them for it's a stepping stone, right? They yeah. want to get a track record. They want to make themselves more attractive to some big firm, and go on and make some some real money. And well, see, so, where, where I worked in D.C., they were all assistant United States attorneys. So a lot of them, you know, they stayed in the office for a good amount of time. Sure. Well, that's because from, they want to move through the ranks, and ultimately right. they might be, a, a, you know, a USA. Because it's, it's a little more, I guess, it's, you know, to say that you were an assistant United States attorney carries a little it's, more than others. It, it it it's more well, power, you know, sure. being a, a state prosecutor and being a federal prosecutor, two yeah. different things. But um, So in December of 2010... Judge Fox denies a new trial for Brendan Dassey. So that's not good. And then we hear the next date, the next notable date, is August of 2011. They deny a new trial for Stephen. And in December of 2011, the Wisconsin Supreme Court refuses to review the Stephen Avery, Stephen Avery case, which basically, Charles, that's the end of the road. Yeah. 
Well, it's the end of for the state. For the state. Now you got federal options as far as a federal habeas action, um, and that looks like that's where it's going to have to go next. But you see, you know, in the, in the end of this this last episode, you see Stephen Gwen, you see Strang, Buting. Um, you got Herm Hernag, they, they, everybody all the talking. Filmmakers got them together. Yeah, they talk. get them together. They yeah. start talking about you know what the options are. Are we at the end of the road? They they agree that the blood is ultimately would be a basis in terms of that again the the EDTA aspect of it and whether that should have come in or not. Season two. I think I think you're right. I mean <laughs> they've already teed it up, right? We now know there is a season two coming. Yeah, and it's going to be covering the the federal appellate options of both of these guys. And the FBI is federal, so you can, the, you can, you may hear this go all the way to the Supreme it Court. Could. It really could. Um, they also suggest that perhaps something improper occurred on the jury. I don't know if there's any evidence yeah, and then that. Yeah, then you heard my favorite juror. He was back again. But one of the things I found interesting, Charles, you had him, but the filmmakers, I'm sure they tried. But why wouldn't any other member of the jury want to talk about what really happened inside the jury room? In either you, of the you, cases. We've talked about this a little bit. You were questioning, well, how come this one juror is willing to speak and the other ones aren't? Well, I suggest that this one, you know, he never ultimately had to he won his render a verdict, of fame. right? Right. That's, that's one thing. The other, the other jurors that actually rendered the verdict, I would imagine that they are, because this has such, become such a um, high-profile case, because it is so controversial in terms of the outcome, that they – there may be death threats involved. There may be some hatred. There may be some you – know, I think for their own reasons, they don't not necessarily want to come forward. Could be. But uh, it certainly would be interesting to talk to those folks. Uh, yeah, the, the other thing that we, we know is that between sometimes in 2012, Avery requested his whole file, right? And he's he now wants everything. He's he has become a jailhouse lawyer. Oh God! He spends all his time in the law library, which is not. I mean, I've seen it happen a bunch. I mean, what else are you going to do with your time? Right? Well, he's now at a prison at, at a new prison. It's less than a hundred miles away from the salvage yard. So his girlfriend and his parents, they can go visit him. In fact, they did, and they had right. the first contact visit. Oh, she was so excited, and she, she was in tears, and she was actually going to get to touch him and, and, and hug him and, and, and all that and whatever, um, which is great, you know, because, look, you know, when you're in prison, God forbid, I never have to go there. Um, but I'm sure I, I, I would never want to go to prison. And um, But this facility that he's in now, it's a work in prison. They've, you yeah. can get a job. Yeah. You know what? I don't know if they're making furniture, which will have. You know, well, but he's do. he's not getting but, a job because he's focused on investigating his own case and trying to find that, you know, that issue that will be the basis of a successful appeal. So hey, listen, you can't fault him. I mean, the guy is practicing what he preaches. I mean, he's not not he's not OJ saying, um, I didn't do it and and devoting the rest of his life to go find the killer, right? This guy is actually Yeah, but OJ was out and he I never found I don't think he found any killers on any golf courses. Well, that's what I'm saying. This guy is saying I'm innocent and he is devoting every waking hour to continuing to prove that. Let me ask I you. I got respect for that. Let, let me ask you. We're we're getting ready to close this up. We're getting ready to wrap up uh make it a murderer. Uh, the first season, whenever the second season comes up, we're going to be on it. 
But let me ask you this. You don't have to answer it. Do you think Stephen Avery killed Teresa Halbeck? I have no problem answering it because I have not seen any evidence that would convince me of that. I just haven't. The case to me has too many flaws in it, too many problems. I feel it's it's absolutely riddled with reasonable doubt. The only evidence, the only physical evidence that ties him to it is mired in controversy based upon who found it, the nature of the evidence. Um, there's there's just nothing pristine. There's nothing clean about the case. There's yeah. nothing that, you know, there's now there's some overarching themes like, all right, well, if law enforcement planted the key, where they find the key? You could, you know, you can come right. up with several theories right. for that. We've talked about that. Um, you know, the, 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 the car being on the property, there, there's, there's some circumstantial evidence there that obviously points to him. But the direct evidence in the case is all mired in with problems for the prosecution. There's just nothing pristine. And if they had just handled this in a professional, ethical way, meaning Manitowoc should have just stayed the hell out of the case the way that logic dictated and the way that the court ordered, we might have a very different case. We might be able to look at it and go, you know what, this is a very solid conviction. But Unfortunately, what, we're, we're left with something very different. But what does the state of Wisconsin, what does the Wisconsin Court of Appeals and then the highest court in the state of Wisconsin, this Wisconsin Supreme Court, what acts do they have to grind with Stephen Avery and and and, and well, Brendan Dassey? They may not necessarily have any acts to grind. They just may not. They but just why did may. they refuse to? Did they not? Uh, did they don't care? They just they just don't see the issues. Maybe they haven't been argued in the right way. Maybe they maybe they're not as compelling as I would think they are. Maybe there's there's. Maybe the evidence is so is weak, but it's not sufficiently the error. I mean, you have to find. Listen, in in, in appellate cases, you either have to find new evidence, or you have to find some error in in rulings. Right? Evidence that was allowed in that should have been suppressed, that should not have been allowed in, or you have to find some type of prosecutorial misconduct, some misrepresentations, some discovery violations, something like that. So the issues with regard to the appellate issues as far as overturning a case like that are very specific. It's not just about logic and about things that we can reason through. There's there's a matrix there. And, yeah. it, and it has to be, and it they either fit these issues either fit within those within those areas or they don't. And so it's not as simplistic as just saying the fact that the FBI invented a test for this seems wholly inappropriate and it wasn't validated. The question is, does that rise to the level of the fact that it should not have been admitted. And then the second test is, even though, even if it didn't rise to that level and it was admitted, was it significantly prejudicial to the point where it, over, you know, where it right. influenced the case? So there's all these different levels. It's uh, certainly, I'm no appellate expert, but it, I understand enough of it to know that it's, it's much more complex yeah. than just, you know, why haven't they seen the light? Well, it's interesting, and one other fact uh, that they closed out with in episode 10, the Innocence Project, who he was – who rep- basically represented him before. Yeah. They, he asked again for their help. 
they refused to get involved in this case. Yeah, and, and something that we've discussed in the past, Mike, and I, you know, you can read into that. I do know I, I sit on the legal advisory committee for the George Innocence Project here, and I do know that, you know, fundraising is very, very difficult. I mean, it's it's always a struggle to get funding for uh, the Innocence Projects, the various chapters throughout the country. I mean, it's a, it's a constant, constant struggle. So... The question is, have they kind of distanced themselves because they they see this as a loser case uh, and they just simply don't want to be associated with it anymore? Or are they distancing themselves from it because of the fact that they know that the outcome is very controversial and they just can't afford to associate themselves with it from a fundraising standpoint at this point. I don't know. No, I, I, I don't either. I, I just but know the I just dynamics it, aren't that simple. I just find it very interesting that you know the Innocence Project refused again. Yeah. Well, Charles, it's been a great first case to take on making a murderer for CSI Sidebar. And uh, it, it, it's been a lot of fun. It, it, it's, a, it's really an extraordinary opportunity to look and dissect a case like never before, right? Right. I mean, we've just never, no one's ever profiled a case for this many years from start to finish in a very in-depth way with all these behind the scenes interviews and perspectives and different players and and, um, two closed cases where the evidence is available, where you can listen to 911 recordings where you can see surveillance or, or video footage, where you can see courtroom testimony. I mean, really, it's a very, very unique front row seat for the American public. And I think front that's why they've to justice. Yeah, that's why they've been so fascinated with it. And that's why this thing is is engulfed, you know, the 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 criminal justice landscape. Right. And everybody's so everybody's talked about it, they've commented, they've blogged about it, they've written about it, they've fact-checked it, right? and um, what a cool thing to be a part of. It, it, it's been fantastic, and, and I tell you, thank you for listening, because we wouldn't be able to do it without you, and if there is a case that you know of that you would like us to take a look at and maybe um, take a look at and, and kind of dig deeper on CSI Sidebar, please let us know. You can get us on Twitter, at CSI Sidebar Show, or well, you can through the find, website go, go to our website. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, if you have any uh, topics that you would like to suggest through the website, there's a on the contact page you can suggest even um, episodes, even segments that you'd like to see. If you'd like to see more current events, as far as Mike and I discussing topical stuff on a on a weekly basis, things that are happening within the criminal justice system, within law enforcement, current cases. Throw it out there. Because there's a lot of cases coming up, I know, here in the Atlanta area and all around the country. And uh, and as you know, we are going to be covering, as we have been, as why we've been doing this, now that I'm back to almost to full whack, we're going to be uh, covering the people versus O.J. Simpson. And there's been some developments, recent developments, as of last week, in that particular case. So you don't want to miss any episode of CSI Sidebar. On behalf of Charles Middlestead, I'm Mike Brooks. Thanks again for listening. We can't do it without you.